the underground bunker of the Civitas Studio in Raleigh, North Carolina, it's Civitalk with your hosts, Brooke Medina and Ray Nothstein. We're here to connect culture with civics, making it relevant to your daily life. And dare we say, existence at a time where too many are triggered and offended. So, relax, but buckle up and let's wade into the deep end of what's really happening in your old North State. Welcome to another edition of Civitalk. Today we're discussing Halloween. I have a theory that I think is a lot better than the polls out there on on who is going to win. We also have Trump and Joe Biden, both in North Carolina this week. We'll discuss that. And the recent vote-by-mail ruling for North Carolina. Brooke, how's it going today? Ah, it's going good, Ray. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on your show. It feels like after I'm off for a week that it's not my part of my show anymore. So, well, yeah. la- <laughs> last week was all Leah. Uh, she carried most of the weight and did a really good she job. Did great. Yeah, she. I just asked her a lot of questions, and I knew that she kind of had some some pin up opinion because she's not up on here every week, so it went really well. And she gave a really good breakdown, I think, of the lieutenant governor's race. I mean, the, I'm sorry. The governor's race, the lieutenant governor's race, we didn't discuss, but I imagine that'll be close too. Um, but um, she did a really good job of kind of breaking down, I think, some of the ways that, you know, some of the things that have to happen for Dan Forrest to win. Right. Yeah. No, I, I got to listen to the show later on, and you all did a really, really good job and provided the audience with, I, I would say, some good preparation as to kind of a lens through a framework through which to you know, expect some of these results to come through on November 3rd and beyond, because let's just be honest, not all of our results that we want to get for this election are going to come in on November 3rd, Um, might even be even a week or two afterwards, I'm hearing, given some of the closeness. It's months we can look forward to a Nancy Pelosi presidency. Oh my gosh. That that might eclipse 2020. I mean, 2021 <laughs> with Nancy Pelosi being sworn in for a for at least a short <laughs> amount of time might might eclipse anything uh, 2020 gave us. Oh my gosh! I you know what? Nothing would surprise me at this juncture. No. So if the presidential election is held up in the courts and Pelosi ends up being the one that acts as president until that time. That is decided. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, what's new at this point in time? So let's discuss Halloween. Halloween is is coming up. Um, not necessarily my favorite holiday, but my kids, uh, two and a three year old, are like pumped for Halloween. They watch Halloween videos. He, uh, the two year old, wants to see all the spooky houses in the neighborhood. He's not really scared of them. We did take them to one of those Halloween stores, and he was a little spooked out by that, which probably oh, yeah. was a mistake in retrospect. And I was thinking that at the time, but I was like, he's so into Halloween. I want him to see. Uh, every gory detail and uh, he really wasn't into that as much as he he likes more of the you know from a distance looking at it oh sure a safe distance right i get that i still feel that way i hate passing by like really creepy spooky halloween displays i do not like it i'll be honest with you yeah it's not i love halloween for the candy don't get me wrong like i will never pass up halloween candy and i like cute costumes I, I mean, many years ago, maybe I even said this last year on the podcast, I dressed up like a puppy dog one year for Halloween. Uh-huh. A couple of years ago, I dressed up like Mary Poppins. When I was a kid, I dressed up like Laura Ingalls Wilder. Wow. So I like happy costumes that are very safe and not scary. But my seven-year-old has informed me that he wants to be a plague doctor, like a medieval plague doctor with one of those long bird beaks. 
I mean, how creepy is that? Well, that sounds perfect for 2020. Um, <laughs> you know, he's obviously someone who's really up on current events and keeps up with the news. So uh, I think that's a great Literally. costume. I think I think that would be a hit in a neighborhood. A lot of, you know, who wants to see the plague coming to their door? <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to see no mo plagues or talk about them. But uh, I think right before we started recording, you had a really good costume suggestion too, speaking of plagues. Well, not so much a costume, um, unless you're referring to something I forgot, but I have a really good theory on who's going to win the election. Oh, well, I meant the COVID costume. You said someone could come as COVID. Oh, yeah, someone could come as COVID. Yeah, I'm sure that would be really popular too. A lot of people, a lot of people, let's be honest. A lot of people have a twisted sense of humor and I think would love it. Probably. (laughs) But I also, Brooke, I have a theory way better than the polls. You know, a lot of these people are watching the polls and the polls are gospel and they think, you know, the the polls are going to determine who's going to win. And perhaps, but um, I think I know who's going to win the election. Okay. Tell me. So I've got a theory that the houses, if we can, if someone can break this down and do a poll of this and uh, do a neighborhood kind of search and um, vetting of which houses are open for trick or treating, I'm going to guess that those are Trump voters and the houses that are shut down with the lights off are Biden voters. So if someone can go across the country and some of these swing states and figure out what houses are open on Halloween for trick or treating and which are closed and do a count. I think they can figure out how this election is going to break, Brooke. Okay, that's an interesting theory. So I want I want to know, how did you come to this conclusion that this might be the case? Well, I live in Johnson County, North Carolina, and um, I think my neighborhood's heavily red. You can kind of go on the maps and, and look at uh, areas of North Carolina and just across the country as well. And you can actually do a breakdown of neighborhoods, basically, to see how red they are. That's probably why I get a ton of Trump mail. I've got some Biden stuff just because he has so much money. But I've also gotten a lot of Trump mail um, in my mailbox. So, uh, you know, it's obviously targeted as a red area. But um, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking as I was driving in today, I was like, huh, I hope Halloween and trick-or-treating is not canceled because my kids are so excited about it. I understand being safety, you know, being safety conscious and being precautious at this time. But my kids want to trick-or-treat. And I think a lot of people's kids out there want to trick-or-treat. But I feel like from a political perspective, you know, let's be honest, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong either side, but I do think the people that are more blue oriented or, or more lean to the left um, tend to be more scared of COVID and, and the people on the right tend to not necessarily be there, although there are some who are not cautious, but there are some who uh, I think tend to be more out and about and tend to, you know, uh, host more parties and, and whatnot. So I just have a theory that if you look at the houses that are open, they more may be more apt to be Trump voters. I don't know what you think about that, Brooke, but I think it might be just as scientific if the if the along with the polls, if not more. I think that there might be a correlation there. So might. I mean, you I sound skeptical, Brooke. Might be a correlation. <laughs> I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Okay. That's all. I, but I mean, because. As polarized and as partisan as nearly everything has become, including mask wearing. I know. Isn't it ridiculous? Um, it's, it would stand to reason that even the way in which one celebrates or observes a holiday during this pandemic would actually indicate political leanings. So, I mean, because everything's politicized, right? You right. can't 
drive a certain car without being assumed to be of one party or another, depending on, you know, whether it's a really big truck. I'm going to assume anybody who drives a Subaru is probably voting for Bernie or writing or writing <laughs> in Bernie or voting for Biden. Oh, you know what? Okay. And we're sorry if any of you are Subaru drivers and that mischaracterized you. Very sorry. Are you we? Right. <laughs> angry me emails. But I have a friend, uh, just real quick aside on the Subaru thing. Uh-huh. Uh, her husband came back from deployment and he, trying to be as sweet as he could be, decided to buy her a car without telling her that he was uh-huh. buying her a new car. And he bought her a Subaru. Uh, and she was furious. I bet. She was yeah. so mad because she had like a really cute uh, kind of sporty car before that. Yeah. So he just goes and gets her a Subaru and she was not happy whatsoever. I don't blame her. If my I'm, husband. I'm going to stay away and, and, and not offend anybody today about some of the stereotypes about Subaru. So I'm not going <laughs> yeah, yeah, to go deeper go into that. I don't think, go there. I think people know what they are. So our <laughs> listeners are, are, are very attuned to, to culture and, and probably some of those stereotypes. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I had a friend that I had a good friend and I know, you know, I won't mention him, but I know you know who he is at least, but a good friend at the Acton Institute who uh, drove a Subaru and I used to give him a (laughs) pill for it. (laughs) Oh, you okay. You know what? Here I am laughing, but let's be honest. I can't talk. The Lord has allowed me to drive a minivan for the past seven years to keep me humble. I'm convinced of that. So hey, minivans are are smart. That means a smart consumer because they look SUVs are cool, but they're overpriced. So people who buy a minivan are like a little more thrifty and smart. They're smart buyers, in my opinion. I, guess, I mean, I am a smart buyer. That's true. And James and I are good consumers, but like, no one wants to feel like they're that person the minivan mom at least not me i do not want to feel that way especially as i get older i want to drive something cooler yeah kelly's that way i've tried to convince her to get a minivan but she's like she you know she wants an suv so we'll see how that that war war plays out but um you know my point (laughs) is (laughs) my point is a minivan has as much if not more room and they're not overpriced like suvs are because suvs are in such high demand so it just makes sense to get a minivan, in my opinion. But you know, I'm no. a I'm more of a practical person than than she. You is. are very practical when it comes to like budgetary things. We've had conversations before, and I find you to be very like cost conscious in a good way. So yeah. I'm probably makes- more like I'm probably more like James, your husband. And yes, way. you are, and I and Kelly. He doesn't, like he probably doesn't care how cool you look, you know. Uh, he doesn't. And that's a thing because I'm like, don't you see this is an investment into my self-esteem? But anyways, we can we can talk about that all day long. But I guess our listeners might not want to enter into the minivan wars that I have uh, in Costa Medina. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about, aside from your, what I think is probably fairly rock solid theory regarding Halloween and who people are voting for, um, we have a Supreme Court nomination that's about, or confirmation that's about to happen. So um, we know that Amy Coney Barrett is slated to be um, confirmed on October 26th. Yeah, the 26th. Lindsey Graham said the 26th. Um, the Democrats, she, she unanimously, because the Democrats protested the hearing to vote her out of committee today. So it was a 12 to nothing unanimous decision because the Democrats just held a press conference on the Capitol steps protesting the vote. So she moved out of committee and there will be a floor vote uh, next week, I guess. 
Okay, alrighty. I, for one, am very excited about the prospect of her get, being on the court. And I say that without, like, I get, as of late, there have been some Supreme Court rulings by even some of the more quote-unquote conservative justices that, you know, I've questioned and wondered about. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't pretend to, to predict how she's going to rule in various cases, but she just seems like a very competent woman. And, um, so I think that she's going to be a good addition to the court. Yeah, she's competent. And I think there's a lot to say about her character from first glance. I mean, I don't know her personally. I've heard about her for years, of course, but obviously with her, uh, mixed race, uh, family and the children that she's adopted from Haiti, but all the... I know that there was the blind um, woman who was a student of hers at Notre Dame Law School that testified. I caught some of that, at least during the hearings, that just just um, trumpet her character and the kind of person that she is. And uh, that's a lot to be said today, just in the environment that we're in um, culturally and politically. If someone is a high character person, then that goes a long way with me, even if I disagree with them politically or disagree with maybe their judicial philosophy. I think that's one of the reasons that she, you know, a lot of Americans, I think when they polled him at first, they didn't want this uh, seat filled. And now you look at the polling and uh, the vast majority of Americans polled now, um, you know, it's like 51 or 53 to 27 now are are in favor of her uh, being, being put on the court. So that's, that's a testament to her character in this political environment. Even, um, I was just reading a morning consult poll, even, I think it was about a third of Democrats and nearly half of unaffiliated voters said that they think she should be confirmed. And you, uh, if you saw Senator Dianne Feinstein, uh, which I am not typically a fan, she, um, you know, she congratulated uh, Senator Graham on the way in which that hearing was conducted and thought it was really a healthy a healthy hearing. And I just thought that are a healthy slate of confirmation hearing. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that this was at least a brighter moment politically, even though many of us were bracing for it to be dirty and brutal and even worse than Kavanaugh. Right. And there's a, you know, there's a famous, it, it made it its way around the internet, at least somewhat of, of Lindsey Graham and Diane Feinstein hugging at the end of the hearings. So. That was a sweet moment. If you if you are one of those people that like those moments, I saw some people um, trumpeting that on social media. But yeah, I think it's going to be a great thing uh, to have her on the court. And Biden just came out today or yesterday and basically said that he'll set up a commission to look at court packing and, and to make a decision if he wins the presidency. That that sounds like his commission will be set up to rubber stamp uh, a plan to pack the courts. So that's something for voters to consider about. And we have had Trump, I think it was uh, just last night, was in Gastonia. I saw Dan Forrest address the crowd there. Um, Dan Bishop, of course, was there, congressman um, from that area. But um, yeah, and we had uh, Joe Biden. I can't remember if it was Monday, Brooke, or I think it was Monday because he put a lid on his campaign until Thursday. Um, Sunday or Monday, uh, Joe Biden was in Durham and he got a... um, got a rounding ovation from the press here in North Carolina because he visited cookout. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, personally, like I, I guess I would prefer Chick-fil-A, but because cookouts North Carolina based, I get that. I understand that. And I mean, to be honest, cookout is pretty special when you think about all their milkshake milkshake options, which he did get two, not one, but two milkshakes from cookout. So that's commendable. 
Um, I know our friend who we've had on the show before, Andrew, um, he was, he was tweeting about that and, you know, really commended the vice president for making that choice. So hats off to Joe Biden. I might disagree with all sorts of policy things, but he did make a good stop at cookout. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I did see several media members tweeting, this is why he's going to win North Carolina. I, I, don't know if that's true, but they, they seem to be taking a lot of stock into his cookout visit, that it was just some great symbolic overture that was going to carry him to the top in North Carolina. Okay, so, well, Ray, let's we'll think about this. True. I mean, because consider, consider all the heat that Cal Cunningham got for tweeting that ridiculous barbecue photo. I mean, I think people were more upset about that than they have been about him being under UCMJ, you know, U.S. Army yeah. um, investigation. Yeah, I think that's I think there's some truth to that. I think look, let's you know, some of us here at Civitas uh are probably voting for Donald Trump and some of us have said good things about Donald Trump, but let's be honest. I think Trump in a way has killed the sex scandal business and politics. Clinton did it, but Trump kind of finished it off. I mean, yeah. Let's be, I mean, here's a guy who's been married 3 times, um has not led an exemptuous an exemplary, that's the word I'm looking for, an exemplary life when it comes to devotion to spouses and perhaps fidelity in marriage. And let's be honest about that. I mean, Trump has a lot of great political qualities. He certainly, at least in my opinion, has been a much more conservative president than I initially thought he would be. But from a kind of personal standpoint, I think Trump has kind of killed off that that sort of, you know, sex scandals kill you as a candidate, which, you know, certainly would have been more true in the past than it is today. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Which, it's sad, right? That that is something that we just don't even bat an eye at anymore. Yeah, we'll get so worked up about food choices (laughs) um, or mask wearing and things like that. But um, that's kind of where we're at right now. And and I think that the more secularized society becomes, the less, uh, you know, personal virtues are something that is necessarily praised or touted. Um, but yeah, and, and, and but speaking of President Trump, and we're talking about presidential visits, North Carolina being such an incredible swing state and very much in play. Uh, so Trump was in Gastonia this mm-hmm. week. Too. We have Biden and Durham, Trump and Gastonia. I think this is like, Trump's maybe fifth visit to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the one thing concerning if you're a Trump supporter is that he's spending a lot of time in North Carolina and Florida, probably two states that should have been locked up if you were kind of counting, at least, you know, a little bit more assured of a Trump reelection. He's spending a lot of time in Arizona, a state he won similar to North Carolina, I think by a little over three and a half percent. And he's spending a lot of time in Florida, tons of time in Florida. He's going to be there twice Either uh, to, I think tomorrow he's going to be in the the retire the big retirement community called the Villages, and then he's going over to Pensacola in the western part of the Panhandle. He'll be in Pensacola tomorrow, so he's spending tons of time in states that probably should be more in the bag for him. And I, I think that's one of the things that has to be concerning if you think he's going to be reelected. And it certainly doesn't mean he's going to lose, but I I think it's somewhat of an ominous sign that he has to spend so much time campaigning in states that he, you know, that he's not necessarily on the offensive in, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin quite as much this time around. Right. Yeah. No, I think that that's, uh, it just goes to show you how very close this is. And I know I I read the Facebook comments on our page and 
obviously most of you know Civitas does public opinion polling, and so we're keeping our eyes on on where public opinion stands at any given point in time. But um, I think there are anyone that is overconfident about whether or not whether Trump will win or that believes Biden is going to win the state. I I think that they've just kind of subscribed to more wishful thinking than actual, um, you know, uh, reality on the ground right now. It depends on how big the cookout vote is, Brooke. I mean, if if (laughs) But I know you're exactly right. It's North Carolina is way too difficult to say for sure one way or the other. I think it leans Donald Trump, but I don't know if that's me reading back into the last election with the polling. Here's a good thing. We're going to have a guest on next week, uh, Dr. Joseph Campbell at American University, who wrote a whole book about public opinion polling and how they failed and you know maybe why you should be skeptical of polling. But he talks about you know, some of the problems uh, with polling in this election and many other elections. But um, he actually has a good line that polling failures don't repeat themselves. So I think the people on the right who are saying, well, everything's exactly the same like last time. The polls are not accounting. No, they're actually trying to overweight um, people who are didn't have a college degree this time to try to, you know, uh, uh, brunt that factor that kind of doomed Hillary Clinton to some degree in the polls from last time. But the point is, um, you know, so I don't know if this is me reading back into this last election because Hillary had a little bit over a 2% advantage in the final polls in North Carolina and and, uh, Trump won the state by a little over 3.5%. I think it was technically 3.6%. So um, maybe I'm reading some into that. I know the state continually changes with uh, more people coming in. But uh, there's some encouraging signs uh, for Trump. Uh, You know, there's some... Republican, uh, they're, they're keeping a little bit better pace, I think, in the early voting this time. Yeah, yes. Uh, that could be encouraging. The one discouraging thing, if you believe the national polls, some of these national polls are saying that only 85% of Republicans are voting for Trump. So that's a lot of Republicans who may not vote for Trump. If those polls are true, they may not be. Sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And Bi- Biden's more like 95%. So, so, the, so the, the drop-off rate, for Republicans voting for Trump could be, or not voting for Trump could be higher than the Democrat rate. Just something okay. to consider. But here's, here's a theory since we've been throwing out political theories, this show, I've got a theory on that though. Okay. Um, what it could be, perhaps 85% say of the Republicans say they're voting for Trump only 85%, which would be a pretty low number if you're thinking about a partisan. Um, but I would say a good, this is just a guess. A good 20% though of Republican leaning people are registered as unaffiliated. It's probably closer to 50% are registered as unaffiliated right. or independent in their state. And so if you're considering those numbers too, and let's say even a half of that 50% that's registered as unaffiliated is going to Trump. I mean, you're still, I, I think that might be able to make up that difference in partisan Nature. Yeah, North Carolina, the unaffiliated tend to lean right. And I know Andy's yes. written about this before and others on our website. So here in North Carolina, unaffiliated voters tend to to lean center right in this state. Mm-hmm. So you're exactly right. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But um, our last poll, though, so you were citing a nationwide number, that 85%. Our last poll said that I think it was closer to 94% of registered Republicans in our state that we surveyed said they were going to vote for Trump. So it seems like the camp is a little bit more decided here in North Carolina, the partisan camp. But um, anyways, but another thing to your point, 
there has been a record number, or at least what appears to be a record number of Republicans that have already voted early or mailed in their ballot early. And so that was just a threshold that was crossed this week here in North Carolina. Um, If you go to carolinaelections.com, especially if you're a data nerd, you're going to love this. This is a really cool resource that we have here at Civitas Institute. And you can track the numbers of votes that come in per district and which method of voting they're using, break it down by party, by age, by gender. So um, lots of good ways to dig a little bit more into the data of who's voting when. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be really, really interesting. And I'm planning on voting on election day, Brooke. So I'm one of those people that um, will probably show up at an odd time during the day. So there's no line or a minimal line. But mm-hmm. uh, I expect I expect election day to be a smooth. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I and I'm an election day voter too. Usually, my husband voted already. He already voted. He like oh, did, did he tell you who you're voting who he's voted for? Um, he asked me who he was supposed to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> I am married to someone who's very. I, he he'll watch the debates with me. He's interested in those things. Right. But at the end of the day, he's like, here, babe, just tell me. Well, I hope you set him in the right direction, at least. I did. Of course I did. All right. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell anybody what that direction was. My but... wife won't listen to me anymore, so I need to expand <laughs> my influence. <laughs> now, okay, I will, I will say my husband and I come down. My husband is probably a little bit more partisan than me right. in a way that maybe people don't expect. I am more... I would say an ideological conservative mm-hmm. and conservatarian, whereas he would be more. Well, I think that's probably reflects. He probably reflects more of the general population. Yeah. At least yes. in, especially in North Carolina. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, exactly. So I have little foibles and we nerd about it, you know, here on our podcast sometimes. And so I'll have little policy nuance issues that I take with people, even whom I might vote for anyways. Um, yeah, but, there's no perfect uh, candidate out there. There is no perfect candidate. That's not that's not a problem on this year's ballot. <laughs> Precisely. So, anyways, but um, yeah, now vote by mail. Since we're talking about elections, we've got um, th- what could be a, a an elections case that makes its way to the Supreme Court. Um, although you had mentioned earlier, as we were planning the show, that. Pennsylvania already got their case struck down, but really uh, the North Carolina Board of Elections has tried to extend um, the date in which they have to stop accepting mail-in ballots to like nine days past the election. So that would be November 12th that they would continue to receive ballots until. And so Senator Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore of the state legislature have filed a, a an injunction and they're asking the Supreme Court to basically stop the board from Board of Elections from doing this. Right. The fourth, uh, I believe the fourth uh, federal circuit has extended the vote by nine days here in North Carolina, which seems really big to me, Brooke. It's, I mean, Pennsylvania got an extension uh, with the Roberts 5-4 decision at the Supreme Court, I believe it was, of a three-day extension. So I don't understand why North Carolina is nine days and Pennsylvania is three days. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's just the, the the way that they filed the the lawsuit to get the extra days, but that seems a little long to me. Um, is is the mail that incompetent? I see some people on Twitter blaming. Well, this is Trump's problem or something for not fully funding the post office. Um, you know, I don't know much about that debate, honestly. Yeah, so I'm not gonna, 
I'm not going to weigh in. But um, nine days, I mean, I think you have to, it still has to be postmarked by election day, but they have to receive it within nine days. I mean, um, you know, I guess that's similar to your taxes. If your taxes get lost and you can prove that they were postmarked or something, you're okay. But uh, what if you were nine days late paying the IRS? I feel like they wouldn't be like, oh, okay. (laughs) Not as forgiving, huh? Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a really good question to ask. So, uh, you know, North Carolina is just no stranger to voting drama. We, oh my gosh, I just want like I'm tired of it. I'm I tired want some of normalcy it. in this state, and I think that that's why these judicial elections are so important. You know, a lot of people don't pay attention to them. Civitas has been doing a a good job trying to raise attention from a bipartisan perspective. Like, hey, make sure you fill out your your judicial races because I guess there's about a a 10% drop off in some of these past elections where there's ballot roll off. And I think that's important is that there needs to be uh, more balance in the state when it comes to the judiciary, at least. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, this is the, the cases that could sit or could come before the North Carolina Supreme court this next year. Uh, you want, you want there to be a, um, a good, a good level of checks and balances that are happening within that court. And as of right now, it's a Democrat to Republican six, one majority. And uh, that's not that, that doesn't bode well for very, very important issues that I know are important to our listening audience. Um, chief of which would be the school choice issue as the opportunity scholarship program is making its way before the Supreme court of the state. So, um, yep. Make sure you finish your ballot also for other resources on that and to look up your own ballot to see who is on your ballot. And then also research some of those officials. If you go to make that is a website that Civitas has created, and that has a number of resources, lots of articles about public safety, the need for rule of law in our state, especially if you live in some of the more urban areas such as we do, and you've seen the riots take place and the devastation uh, you know, that has occurred in some of these businesses in the downtown area. Um, go to makencsafe.com, and you can get more information on how to finish your ballot, Um, and research some of those candidates because those races are especially critical if you care about public safety. Yeah, absolutely. And go to our website just in general, uh, ncivitas.org and sign up for a free newspaper every month. It's it's right there on the front page. You can check out all our content, of course, at the website. So we really appreciate everybody listening and we'll have tons of analysis after this election about what happened and look forward. Please tune in next week. We've got a special guest who I think will give us a lot of insight into the polling going on right now. So I really appreciate everybody listening. Thanks and have a good week.